Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You are listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today, Michelle speaks with us about losing her father and mother 18 years apart. Michelle, welcome to the Grief Stories podcast. Could you please tell us your story of loss? I was thinking about how how best to start this. Cheapers. <laughs> um, and I thought I probably needed to give it a little bit of context. So um, I'm adopted as an infant by my parents. Um, and they were older getting married and did not have children because of that. And so by the time I came along, mom was already, um, I believe, 40 or 42 and dad was 38 or 40 somewhere in there and so they were already older when I was growing up so in some ways it was kind of good because you know when they did those quizzes at school I always could get points for having the oldest parents in the room that kind of thing <laughs> um, but my parents were the age of all of my friends grandparents and they both had emigrated, my mom from Ireland, my dad from England. Um, so they came to Canada as, well, my dad as an older teenager, my mom as an adult to marry my dad. Both of them were raised at a time where nutrition wasn't exactly something that they um, looked at. And my dad had, in particular, had some pretty horrific eating habits. Uh, but it was still completely unexpected when in my last year of high school, he got a heart attack and it happened. It, it's funny. I'm not, I, I don't exactly know when it happened. I just remember hearing your dad's had a heart attack. Um, we're at the hospital okay. and that was back in the days before cell phones. Okay. So yeah. I, I don't even know where I was, to be perfectly honest. I just know it happened, I think, somewhere before I started my last year of high school. Because that entire last year, um, my mom went to work, and she was a cleaning lady. And so she worked evenings. And my dad was an accountant, so he worked days. So when he was in the hospital with this heart attack, mom would go all day, and then would go to work at night. And so I was kind of left. And that was most of my senior year in high school. So we expected he would get better from that. And he was getting better from that. Unfortunately, they found cancer. Mm -hmm. And so that, that ended up becoming my mother's life for that whole year, my life for that whole year was just hospitals. And again, my mother did not drive. So she would bus every day in and I would go to school like nothing happened. As I started my, well, I was my second day, well, there was frost week. And then my second day of classes in my first year of university, I had moved away um, an hour and a half away and my father died. Mm -hmm. And so it was this big rush to um, 
you know, come back. Some Somebody had to go get me. There was no easy way to get from Peterborough to Ajax. Um, and I remember he had, um, it was one of those things where his funeral happened. I went back to school. We struggled along. And that was kind of, that was hard in enough of itself because at the time it was, um, everybody looked to me to be my mother's support. And I remember, I remember at one point somebody did ask me if I wanted to talk to somebody. Um, but by that time I had switched schools and was actually in a social work program and was like, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to help people. I don't need to be helped. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I really didn't deal with any of that. Um, and my role really was to help my mother and to be her support. And my mother was very strong in a lot of ways, but was very much um, left alone, which is partly why I switched schools and switched programs was to move back home to be with her and go to school in Toronto where I could commute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to fast forward then a bit because that was hard. That impacted us financially and emotionally, mostly financially, quite frankly, because he was the major breadwinner. Um, so everything became a struggle after that. However, school came and went, families came and went. Well, I shouldn't say they came and went, they're still here. <laughs> I got married, I had a daughter. Um, my mother moved in with us because I'm her only child. My granddaughter or her granddaughter was her only granddaughter. Um, and then about 10 years after my daughter was born, my mother died. I was 37 at the time. So uh, all of the pieces that I wasn't able to deal with for my dad were still sitting there. They were still sitting there as I tried to deal with my mother's death. And hers was completely unexpected. While dad had been sick for a year, um, my mother had gone to her family doctor for her regular physical in June, started having trouble walking up the stairs and breathing in July. We rushed her to the hospital one day because she was completely out of breath and in a lot of pain. And they discovered that her lungs were completely filled with fluid. And I'm not even going to go into how horrific it was to be in the hospital while they dealt with that. Um, Uh But I was there for that. And she never came out of the hospital. Uh So when they drained her lungs, they found spots. And the amount of testing that they did to try to figure out what it was, they never did. They never did. It was cancer, lung cancer, lining of the lung cancer. We don't know. Uh Um, But what really kind of made it very difficult was once they drained her lungs and she was lucid enough to hear what the diagnosis was, she had made the decision, I don't want any extraneous stuff. You know, I, um, my mother was a very proper Irish lady. She did not want her hair to fall out. She Mm -hmm. wanted her nails to look nice. So chemo was out of the question. Um, She was already 79 at this point. And while that's still not old, she was quite happy to do what she wanted to do, live out as long as she could, 
and not have to feel even sicker because my ex- her experience of my dad's chemo treatment was, I think, very difficult because he did not look the same. Mm. Um, so all well and good into that. Um, still in the hospital waiting to decide how they were going to proceed. And she picked up the C. difficile virus. Mm. And I guess I should say here, what actually killed my dad was not the cancer and not the heart attack. He caught pneumonia in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And here we were, 20-odd years later, having exactly the same scenario play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, mom caught that virus and was dead in a couple of days. So mm-hmm. from beginning to end, it was less than five weeks from hospital admission to her passing away. Mm. Um, and at the end, it was me and her. Uh, yeah. We'd had family come out from Ireland. We had my aunt's family who lived close by. We were all kind of taking turns, um, being there pretty much from morning till night. And my aunt and uncle had left. My husband hadn't gotten there yet. And she passed away. Mm. And I had not been there for my dad, but um, definitely was there for my mom. Uh-huh. But at 37, I now have nobody. Uh-huh. And so it was very, very hard to try to be the one that everybody looked at as the strong person, trying to keep it together for my daughter and still trying to grieve, I guess, the uh-huh. not only my mom's passing, but my dad's. Because all the stuff I had not dealt with for 20 years was right there waiting for me. Yeah. And so, so many challenges come from both, you know, having to get on with it when your dad passed away because your your mom needed you to be strong and you wanted to get on with things. And so then having that all well up as you go through your mom's experience and lose her too. You know, that what a challenge it is to then come through that with your grief and so powerful grief. It is. It is. It it, it is. And and there's there's really nothing that anyone can say or do. I mean, I I have (laughs) I have not vivid but vivid memories of her funeral, if that makes any sense at all. I remember going to the doctor for the first time ever to say, I need something. Um, I need something because I can't sleep, because I can't function, because I can't whatever, Um, because I was off work. um, And I just wasn't coping well. And it didn't help that the priest at her funeral made somewhat, had I been in a different place, I probably would have walked out of the church. Uh-huh. Um, I remember feeling blamed mm. um, for her. So we are Catholic. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I did get the priest in uh, to do last rites as she would have wanted. Uh-huh. And he's the same priest that ended up doing her funeral, but we did it at a parish that we used to go to, not where we had been living for the last 10 years. So the priest didn't know my mom. um, And so 
you know, in talking to him about her, I had said, well, mom didn't get to church as often as she liked, would have liked because she doesn't drive and it's not close by and we don't go. So I, I do remember him saying, you know, that essentially she was going to be in purgatory forever because I didn't get her to church. Mm. Enough. So you've got the powerful pain of grief, which is enough of a challenge on its own, that it's interfering with your, your regular functioning. And then you feel blamed because of the, the religious the expectation and the ways that the priest um, sort of reflected that back to you from his perspective. Okay. On the pulpit, in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, yes. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I'm no stranger to good old Irish guilt, but it, mm-hmm. it was a bit much. It, it was a bit, you know, in retrospective, I can look at it now and, and not have it affect me in the same way. But yet I still, I'm telling you this, so it still affects me in some way. Yeah, you still carry that really vividly and painfully with you, even though you have found ways to carry it so that it doesn't have the same raw slicing pain it had at the time, right? That's right. Yeah. So what are some of the things then that have helped you carry this pain of losing your dad and then losing your mom and having this deep grief, um, which you know is, is because of your deep love for them? What's helped you find your way through this to where you are now? So one of the things that I do do, I don't do it frequently because it, it it's a sad, but it's not a same sad. I do go to, they are buried in a Catholic cemetery. So I do go to the cemetery. Um, there's a few other people um, that are buried in that same cemetery that I know. So when I go, I not only visit my parents, but I can visit my cousin um, and a friend of the family that are all in the same place. Um, sort of as a, I like to use humor. Um, and one of the funny stories that I have that I like to remember when I go to that cemetery, which I'm sure you don't normally use funny in cemetery in the same sentence, but <laughs> after my dad passed away um, and he was buried in the cemetery. I went back to school. So mom and I never went to the uh, cemetery together for probably a year um, when the weather was nice and I was back home. And I will never forget driving up to the cemetery and her saying, well, where are you stopping? And I said, at dad's grave, like he's up here by St. Joseph. And she's like, oh my God, I have been praying at someone else's grave for this entire past year because they didn't put the headstone on right away. Mm. And of course, in the grief of the moment, she couldn't really remember where he had been buried. Mm-hmm. So she had, she and my aunt and uncle had been in fact visiting somebody else. So we used to drive in there and I would say, you know, my dad's standing over there on his, on the grave going, woohoo, Emmy <laughs> over here. <laughs> So and that, somebody was and happy then, to have a guest. <laughs> somebody was happy to have a guest. So that image um, kind of holds me through. So, mm. you know, I like to think of the fact that the two of them are back together because he was gone a long time mm-hmm. and she missed him. Um, so that has helped, even though it doesn't sound like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... He, you know, when their birthdays and things come around, um, I like to post pictures. And my mother 
loved to have a good picture of herself. So I always make sure it's a picture she would have approved of. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can't have her mouth open. She can't be eating anything. And the reason her mouth was always open is because she was always talking. Yes. So, <laughs> so I like to remember those moments and those fun things. And I share those with my friends through social media. Um, I make sure that I text my daughter, um, send her funny stories, um, do those kinds of things. What, what I'm, uh, what I'm trying to get better at is not crying when I talk about it. <laughs> mm. but, yeah, but tears you know, are really tears are really just that expression of the love in this way. Like this is, you know, um, you cry because it matters. It matters because you love, you know, and that love for them is still really powerful. It's 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 it will be powerful your whole life. Right. And, and you know that because the ways that you honor them, the ways that you connect with their memory by going to visit the cemetery, by remembering the stories and sharing them with your daughter and by, you know, using the, the medium of Facebook to um, to share them with the world through your eyes. Right. When you make a post, you're sharing your parents with the world through your eyes and through your love. And those are the things that are are helping you carry this. Yeah. And it's always nice when you have somebody comment back that they remember, Mm. because I know when I see other people, pictures of other people's parents, I remember them. I remember them through my eyes as a kid, Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily as an adult. So it's nice to know when I have other people reach out and say, I remember them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that connection, it keeps them and their memory alive. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then and that that underscores just how important that love is. Yeah. Michelle, thank you so very much for sharing your story with us today. Um, we know that these stories help people to hear the real pain of loss, but also uh, the hope of healing and carrying that loss in a way that um, is graceful and has dignity and, and yes, humor too, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every day is a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we know that this story might be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org, for more stories of hope and healing.